actually have the Union Underground version of it start the actual theme song. And this the Union Underground Raw theme. Good evening, everybody, and welcome into the Raw Reaction. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Due to a prior commitment, Tony Acero is not able to join us tonight, so I'd like to welcome in Wrestling to the Max's Paul Bryan Leeser. Paul, can you hear me, sir? I sure can, Harry. How are you feeling over there, bud? Like crap. That's <laughs> <laughs> me being as honest as I can. Originally, folks, we weren't going to do the show tonight. We were going to do it tomorrow. Unfortunately, scheduling for neither myself nor Tony works out so that we can do it tomorrow. So, on a little bit of a, a little bit of a stuffy sinus day, I'm going to try to try to work my way through tonight's show. Um, we're going to run on a little bit of an abbreviated format here tonight. We're going to just kind of talk about the major points and happening from Raw and then give our thoughts and everything, and we'll go back to our regular Raw reaction format next week here when it's back to me and Tony once again. Um, Paul, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where else they can hear you and give go ahead and give your, your guys' podcast a quick shout-out here. All right, so it's uh, it's myself, Sean Garmer, and Gary Vaughn. We run uh, Wrestling the Max. Uh, for now, it's on Tuesday. Like, we'll be on tomorrow night, Tuesday. Uh, it's 11 o'clock Central, midnight-ish Eastern. Um, it's where we try to start. Uh, we're on uh, Spreaker uh, Live. You can also, I mean, we have Facebook page, Wrestling the Max. Go ahead and like us there, and we'll link you every time we do the show. And Lord knows there's about everywhere there's podcasts, place you can download. We're there, too, so... Not to mention, you can also find the link to Wrestling to the Match on the Facebook group that uh, the Wall Reactions mostly associated with being the Yes, Yes, Yes page. So you can go out and find the guys from Wrestling to the Match there as well. Um, So in honor of our mildly abbreviated format here, let's go ahead and hit the two main talking points from tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. Let's talk about our opening segment and then the six-man main event tag as well. Uh, Your thoughts on the opening segment? Uh, very boring. Uh, outside of really Jericho sort of carrying it, it was, it felt very flat to me. Uh, I just, I'm interested, I guess, in the rematches so far as to see how they're going to make it different from their first match between Cena and Brock Lesnar. But, I mean, we already know what the end result's going to be, and I'm kind of much more curious about who they're going to line up to challenge Brock after this. And everything else is just sort of feeding off what I assumed was going to be over at SummerSlam outside of Reigns and his whatever he's doing now with uh, the authority. So, um, But, I mean, I was, the six-man interested me in the very least that I thought it was interesting from the fact that we were having Jericho thrown in the mix, uh, who could very well be a one-off opponent for Brock Lesnar at some point. I think that would be very interesting. I actually think that when Lesnar was first breaking into the company back in 2002, him and Jericho did face off on a couple episodes on Monday Night Raw, if I'm not mistaken. This would have been right after Jericho, along with the rest of the Un-Americans, came over from SmackDown. It's right. something I'm going to have to fact-check here, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point the two paths have crossed. And as you said, that would be a very interesting one-off. In addition, I think that uh, 
Possibly down the line, Randy Orton would make for a very good one-off opponent for Brock Lesnar as well. But the only problem with that is you have to worry about the fact of Orton still being super authority right now. So it's going to be a case of what's going to happen with... Is Lesnar going to stay in the good graces of the authority long enough for the Orton turn to happen? Or will they do a heel-heel match? And the main thing about them doing a heel-heel match is with them not being as worried about pay-per-view buys anymore as they might be, they, that might be a direction they'll be more likely to go in now that they're not trying to cater to the uh, the general wrestling audience. They're only trying to cater to the fans that have the network and pay the $10 a month to watch the shows. Right. Uh, you know, if they're going to run a heel-heel title match, I would still think they would want another co-main event that would pull in the sort of face-heel vibe that they're used to at the top of the card. Uh, which is sort of, I guess, lacking right now, I guess, outside of pairing Reigns against whoever they can figure out. But uh, that is an interesting idea, I would think. Just heel-heel, it never works uh, in the past as far, I mean, unless you have, I guess, somebody like Brock Lesnar who is as polarizing as people just want to watch him beat up people. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I think Lesnar has that appeal about him and that it really doesn't matter who you put him in the ring with, people are going to want to see what he's going to do. Um, as far as the opening segment, I agree with you on the fact that I think Jericho carried it. I think Jericho and Triple H's banter back and forth is probably the best part of the entire thing there. Although Triple H busting out a insult as old as I am kind of took away from the uh, from the gravitas of the situation to me, calling Jericho a Nimrod. What are they, in elementary school again? <laughs> as far as the you know, Triple H loves those kind of jokes. <laughs> Right, it's right along his sense of humor there. As far as the six-man tag goes, um, honestly, it doesn't really surprise me. And the reason I say that is because of the fact that, A, it's Labor Day here in the States, so there's not going to be a ton of people watching probably anyways. And, B, it's a good way to give all six men some interaction time with each other, especially when you consider that, Orton and Reigns for next week has been reconfirmed. It appears that they're going to be doing everything they can here to uh, to keep Kane involved in the situation, be it as corporate Kane or actually as the demon there. And we have a house show coming to Youngstown, where I live. Oh. And they're advertising John Cena and Seth Rollins facing each other as well, so it gives them a chance to get some interaction as well. Wow. The next show I got coming to my area is they're doing Hell in a Cell here in Dallas, which I'm highly considering going to. And, um, you know, that's all very interesting. And, you know, the six-man, it was okay. It was totally about what you expect it to be and sort of Cena needing to get that another impressive showing to show, hey, I can take on Brock Lesnar and all this. Um, but everything else was sort of as you expected. Except I thought it was very curious that they had uh, Reigns playing a lot of the baby face in peril before he makes a hot tag. But once again, you have to play up to Cena right now, so. I assume that was where that would come into play. I questioned that as well. If you're going to have anybody playing face in peril, though, you would have thought it would have been Jericho because you don't really want to put any kind of a damper on Reigns' monster push either. Correct. That, And you also, um, you still have Jericho sort of, I guess, pseudo-working with Bray because we're getting the steel cage match next week, um, which, I mean, that feud has been horrendously done in all aspects. But I guess if we still get Bray somehow coming out of what this terrible booking slump has been for him and coming out of this looking pretty decently. I, I suppose you could call that a, a mission success as far as that goes. 
as long as they don't rip off the ending to the match with Wyatt and Cena at Extreme Rules for next week's cage match, I'll be perfectly fine. You know, Give I was blissfully aware trying to remember that, and now you just put that back in my mind. So thank you, Harry. <laughs> I'm Debbie Downer on this show. I even have the voice for yeah. it this week. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. Um, we'll talk more about what's announced for next week's Raw a little bit later on in the show. Uh, let's go ahead and continue on here, and let's talk about our opening match. Dolph Ziggler and Sheamus take on the team of Cesaro and The Miz. This is basically your champions versus challengers for Night of Champions. And my favorite part about this here is the fact that they're going back to matches that, in Sheamus and Cesaro's case, we know will be interesting. And in Miz and Ziggler's case, they've actually put a spin on it to give us more to care about, especially now that they have Ziggler with the Intercontinental title. And it's something that a lot of his fans have been clamoring for, to give Ziggler yet another kind of, I don't know if you can call it an extended, like, elevation, but at least somewhat of a push there, which has been a long time overdue for Ziggler. Absolutely. One, your thoughts on the tag match. Two, has the WWE had a more creative finish this year than what happened at the tail end of this match? Uh, man, I'm going to answer two right now. Uh, no, because before before Sandow even gets in the ring, the tearaway pants and him screaming action had me absolutely rolling on the floor. I, I died. I thought that was so funny. And I got to give it up to the WWE for, you know, Sandow going through the multiple characters and finally ending up on this has just been perfect. Uh, they can spin so much out of this Miz-Sandow relationship now if they want to. And I think it'll, Sandow will come out still looking good, which is weird with how badly this whole sort of what gimmick will I play this week thing has been working for him. As far as the match goes, I think this was the best match tonight. Um, the, the the crowd was hot for Ziggler. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro still, I, I love watching them work together. I'm a big Sheamus fan and I'm a big Cesaro fan, and watching them just club the crap out of each other is endlessly amusing to me. And like you said, they uh, find great new ways. Wait. Oh, no, sorry, you said I was like, uh. <laughs> no, uh, I was, but, you I know, was know, just going to finish up. Uh, and then was just, like you said, the finish was great. Uh, I mean, Miz and Ziggler definitely have something in the ring together. We've seen it. They're, well, their, their first match on Raw was absolutely terrific. Uh, and then their their SummerSlam match was a little bit, you know, of a down one note, but still good, and they still show flashes of that greatness in the ring here to, on this night as well. So this was definitely, I think, maybe my favorite part of Raw this evening. I uh, completely agree with you in regards to the best match on Raw this week because I think it was top to bottom, especially when you can I say especially a lot. It's, don't worry about me in a sec. Anyways. When you consider the way that it was handled, too, with the fact that they actually had Sheamus as the face in peril here when the crowd was super hot for Ziggler. So they actually built to something that the crowd wanted and giving them Ziggler coming in off of the hot tag. Um, <laughs> two thing, uh, two other things there for me as well. Um, one, the bit at the end was fantastic. And two, I think that this could end up leading to a possible mini-push for Damian Sandow because anybody who ends up aligned with Miz always ends up feuding with him. See, Riley, Alex. And Alex actually had something going for himself in the feud with the Miz until he got on the wrong side of the wrong people backstage, and it cost him. Right. 
So I can't help but think that being associated with Miz, and especially with the fact that the Miz character is probably one of the hottest newer characters in the WWE, I would say Miz is actually probably outshined, outshined Jericho since they both made their return to Raw back in uh, July, I believe it was. Late June, early July. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that, too, with how crappy the Bray Wyatt-Jericho feud would turn out to be, too. Yeah, talk about wasting potential there. That could have been so much more than what it has. And the thing is, is Wyatt could be so much more than he is, too. It's just they're just not finding the right outlets and the right feuds for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, mention, completely, I mean, I'm going to say not to mention his associates in the family, Harper and Rowan, getting basically jobbed out at every turn. Uh, I mean, uh, that that might be the more depressing thing. I just... You have him in this incredibly hot feud with Cena that he comes out of not looking terrific. And then I think the WWE sort of like, where do you go after that? And they have Jericho come in, which is a wonderful idea to go with. But it seems like the whole idea had been half-baked all the way through, and they didn't really know what to do. Um, and that's just how, I mean, because you, you see them trying to find a way for this to have like a real feud to it, and they just never seem to stick to anything and it's it's very very depressing <laughs> I honestly don't think the cage match next week on Raw will be the end I think they actually do go ahead and do the planned Jericho Wyatt match for Night of Champions and then that's the blow off before Jericho leaves the league that, that would be surprising to me well, in a Reddit Q&A, Jericho mentioned that his last date under contract in this current run was going to be Night of Champions. So I just don't imagine them having Jericho on the sidelines for that show. Oh, yeah. I imagine so, too, then. I didn't know that was his last day. <laughs> he talked about it on a Q&A discussion on Reddit, so... Uh, yeah, we continue on now. We'll go on here and we'll do the uh, six women total divas plug... Nothing match, one only a minute. Only some reason it was out there is to remind you, hey, these girls are coming back to TV on Sunday. Make sure you watch or, you know, at least wait till season three if the Total Divas hits the WWE Network. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. man, even somebody who watches Total Divas, I mean, this was this was garbage. This made you real, like... Outside of the top of the what the Divas feud is right now between AJ and Paige, you don't really have anything else right now. And what you do have is very sad, which I'm sure we're soon to talk about. Oh, we're getting there. Trust me. <laughs> the only thing that uh, the only thing that I really got out of this entire match here is that Naomi still has potential to be something if they don't squander it. The problem is mm-hmm. keeping her in this feud with Cameron is going to do nothing for her. I completely agree, especially if they're going to completely ignore it. And, I mean, you got to do – I know she had a – I think she had another eye surgery recently. I remember reading something about that. They had to go in and check on that orbital bone that she broke earlier this year. But I just – there's a lot there. There's a hot baby face waiting to be made. And I'm assuming they just don't want to run two, three divas – or three divas feeds at a time when they're already having trouble booking two, let alone one. Oh, but they tried four tonight. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We're getting there still. Uh, the other thing that I got out of this year is Rosa should stick to being a manager. Absolutely. That woman that woman makes Jackie Gator look competent. 
I missed, like, her best moment still to me in the WWE has been her relationship with Zack Ryder. That was just magical. Uh, you go back and watch those old ECWs, like, the first time Zack Ryder sees her is this completely surreal moment, and it just gets better from there. <laughs> Doesn't she, like, turn on him to be part of, like, to, when they move to Raw or something, like, she aligns with the guest host and breaks up with him or something? Uh, something like that. <laughs> and then Primo and Epico run, and then I, I don't know what after the drinking thing. I, I, think it I enjoyed her with Primo and Epico. In fairness, she was wearing really short outfits and just standing there shaking her butt, which is exactly <laughs> what Rosa should be doing. Anyways. Anything that keeps her out of the ring. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Big Show and Mark Henry versus Luke Harper and Eric Rowan part Five, six, I've lost count at this point. Your thoughts on the match and the fact that apparently Rusev and Mark Henry is going to be a thing going forward, given the fact that it was barely touched on last week. Yeah, uh, Ian, I, I really like, like, this This builds later, and I'm sure we'll get to that too, but uh, this match, I mean, it was fine. I really, there's still a lot, I think, to be had out of Harper and Rowan as a tag team. And it really irks me that they kind of backed off of that after the Usos feud. Um, but with them turning double dust, uh, Stardust and Goldust, and then you have sort of, I guess, the world's largest tag team or whatever they're calling themselves right now, um, sort of waiting in the wings. I, I guess this is kind of what you have to do with them, and that's, that's really depressing. Other than I, I didn't have any problems with this match. It wasn't bad in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, the thing is, is they've had decent chemistry against each other. It's just we've seen it so many times now over the course of the last two weeks. They can't really expect us to care much anymore. Like classic WWE now, booking, right till it dies. <laughs> exactly. And, like, well, when they were doing Wyatts and Usos, they kept them apart enough during the shows that it actually made you more interested to see the matches when they finally did happen, not to mention the fact that the matches at the pay-per-views or special events, whatever they decide to call them now, are were above average compared to what we had seen re- before out of the Usos. I'm still among mm-hmm. those in the camp that the Wyatt should have been given the tag titles. Now, I, I'm right there. I like the fact that I like the fact that they're using the tag belts. They're going to be kind of using the tag belts sort to further the situation with Cody and or with Star and Goldust. Pardon me. And the only reason that I say that you can keep the tag belts there is because the Usos can use another one to help establish themselves. And in addition here, if they're going to go down the road of Goldust versus Cody, down, which is what has been rumored for months and months, then we'll see what happens as far as keeping them involved in the tag title scene. Rather or not, it takes the loss in the tag title match for them to finally turn on one another. Tell me that you see another backlot brawl at WrestleMania, this next WrestleMania in San Francisco somewhere, and they just run off to Los Angeles, and they just be crazy town for the whole show. <laughs> uh, well, the only thing with that is we need somebody to pull an OJ so they can drive around in white Broncos and such. <laughs> Absolutely. Terry Rundles, come back. Drive a white Bronco for an I, hour. I would totally pop for another white Bronco chase. Anyway. <laughs> We'll get more into the tag title situation, too, a little bit later on in the show. Um, all right, so we, I actually skipped the first one, but now I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and... 
talk about these right now, these growing up fella segments. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I have two words for you. Mute oh boy. button. <laughs> oh, I, I just... How do you... I, I try to do my best to defend diva booking at every turn, but there's just no defending this at all. This is... This is a waste of time. It's it. It just has nothing to do with what the feud's about. I we get it that you hate Bree for being star or whatever, but if you make it relevant to what's happening right now and not talking about felonious crap that happened in the past that we don't care about at all, then I might be a bit more interested. But you going back talking about prom and your first car and whatever other crap you want to bring up, I don't care about that. I care about now. Not to mention, I went to school with a set of twins. They weren't fooling anybody, let alone <laughs> teachers. So yeah, the I, fact I, that they think the I, audience I is going to buy the, the fact that they think the audience is going to buy the stupidity of that in and of itself was head scratching. Sadly, mm-hmm. these weren't the most retarded segments with the Bellas on them tonight. <laughs> Excuse me, mentally deficient segments. Yeah, that's right. You can let them be crappy out there on their own, but when you start bringing other people to the island, that's when it gets that's when it gets really sad. We carry on with ladies and gentlemen. His name is Paul Heyman. Is it just me, or did it seem a little bit weak coming from Heyman this week? Like, usually he set the bar so high for himself now that when he has stuff like he delivered tonight, it seems like he's having kind of an off night. You know, it's Labor Day. Paul Heyman wanted a day off. So he's like, all right, I'll come in. I'll cut a promo, but I'm not giving you gold. I'll give you silver. How about silver? And I'm like, all right, that's fine. (laughs) Uh, Bronze, I'd say. Bronze. I think Heyman silver is better than this. I mean, I understand the point of it. I mean, you want to keep the heavyweight champion in, uh, in everybody's radar, too, and without being actually able to physically have him there, having his advocate come out is the best way to do that. But, yeah, it just it seemed like it definitely wasn't Heyman's best part this evening. I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, and I, I did – they showed they, they showed a lot of the, uh, the pre-tape promos that uh, they had Brock do, which I still enjoy immensely. Uh, that's really, I think, where Brock's money is right now until he ever, if he ever does get comfortable or great in front of a live mic again. Um, so, I mean, I'm all for more pre-tapes and Paul Heyman showing up, but, yeah, I agree. This is just an all-night, off-night form. But, hey, I mean, it's Labor Day. you got to cut him a little slack, right? Yeah, uh, and everybody's entitled to an off-night every now and then, not to mention, right. given some of the greatness that have been the last couple of weeks from Heyman, he would do a bad one. And yeah. I think that, but... I, and the thing is, is I say bad, but it's more bad by his standards, which is like great by pretty much everybody else's. Yeah, I was about to say, we're still talking about an eight, seven and a half, somewhere in there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just not Heyman's traditional ten. Speaking exactly. of which, have you had a chance to have you had a chance to see, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. That is the best wrestling DVD I've seen so far in, in the last two, three years. Just absolutely it just it engages you from the very beginning, and it makes you want more when it's over. And 
it's really all you can ask from these, especially when they're this good and interesting because the story is fascinating to me. And and I think the bonus here that helps Heyman stand out is the fact that Heyman's is almost exclusively promos because there's only like four matches on the entire set, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's just it's a case of getting all of Heyman's greatness in one quick collection there. And some of the promos are stuff that just hasn't been released to mainstream markets and that a lot of the uh, PG era fans will not have seen. The promo he cut on Vince, the SmackDown before Survivor Series, for example, is must-see for wrestling fans. Absolutely. All right, we continue on. Um, odds that my, Michael Sam actually shows up on Raw next week. I'm going to go ahead and say zero. You know, I, I'll give him a slight chance and say two, but I'm sure he's much more focused on trying to find his way onto the NFL right now. <laughs> and I hear your Cowboys can always use defensive linemen. You know, I'm not a huge Cowboys fan. I'm a Broncos fan, but the Cowboys, they, they'll take prison inmates. I don't see why Michael Sam wouldn't find his way onto the team, you know? Oh, there are so many jokes there that I can't make because we're a friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> I know I try my best to be on my best behavior and it's it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. Alright. <laughs> Let's carry on here with Jack Swagger and Curtis Axel. Uh good to see Swagger back in the win column. Yes. A, do you buy any kind of injury with Ryback or do you think it's just him pulling one over on people yet again in order to uh in order to reestablish himself. You know, I buy it. Uh, he, apparently, he's been working with injuries for a long time. Uh, I mean, you and I both know uh, wrestling injuries, th- even the small ones, they'll stack up on you after a while, and eventually you just got to take some time and go fix them. So, I mean, I believe him. If, there's a video of him on WWE.com cutting a promo in character while he's in the hospital bed, and it's pretty obvious that he's drugged out of his mind, but it's so funny. You have to go watch it. <laughs> I'm going to have to look into that, actually. It sounds pretty funny. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Ryback, in, I mean, Ryback in general, I think the best thing that they could do for Ryback is to get him away from Curtis Axel and back into singles action because I think there's some experience and some more to do with his character as far as that goes there. You know, and as a giant um, Ryback fan, I completely agree. Uh, I just... I don't know if they're willing to sell the boat on Rybaxel yet with them, you know, having a weak tag division and all that. We carry on. What were your thoughts on the segment with with Bo Dallas and Jack Swagger afterwards? This was another good moment of the evening. I, I deeply enjoy Bo Dallas. Um, and to sort of see him languish after losing to R-Truth of all people, um, we suddenly get this very, very interesting and character-building promo where he sort of he takes the we the people thing and sort of spins it around on Jack. And th- th- I'm interested in this now. This, this, I think this will be really good for Bo at the end of the day. Whoa, Harry. Say what? I'm sorry, I missed that. I had screening a call. We actually have a oh. call. I'm going to go ahead and bring one. Sorry go about that. I was, <laughs> no, you're, good. you're live on the raw reaction. Can we hear each other? Yes, we can. Welcome in. Oh, I'm 
I'm ha- I'm Harry. He's Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can see that. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm looking to you, and it says Harry and Tony, not Harry and Paul. <laughs> but anyway, how are you guys doing? Well, we're doing all right. I'm just wearing Tony's shoes. I still love AJ yeah. as much as he does, though, so it works out. <laughs> yeah. You don't drink uh, nearly as much Mountain Dew either. Yeah. Oh, no, I, drink <laughs> so I don't drink beer. I don't drink beer either, but uh, I don't drink beer either. But I'm here to talk. I'm here to uh, talk about what was ha- what's happening on Monday Night Raw. Uh, I want to get into the opening segment of the highlight reel. Jericho introduces Randy Orton, but then all of a sudden, behold the King, the King of Kings. Triple H comes out. And, of course, he's with his authority, and let me tell you, they were getting ready to get on Jericho until John Cena comes out and tells Triple H, well, Triple H said, I don't think it will be best for business if Cena fought Lesnar again. Cena, well, Cena said this, Triple H, I will sue you for everything because the match has been set. And then Triple H tells Cena, well, you're going to have to earn it, John. And then Roman, and then Randy Orton talks about Roman Reigns, and Reigns shows up, and we all have, and you know that there's going to be a six-man tag team match, and it was. But you know what? Tonight, I felt like the tag matches were a bit, you know, overdone. I think there were I, only I, like I three singles with matches on the entire card. Yeah, there was every tag team match. She- I mean, Sheamus and Ziggler versus Cesaro and Miz was okay, had it not been for Miz now making it all fun. But the six man, six Divas tag team match, uh, that didn't that didn't sit well with me. Even R- Rowan and Harper versus Henry and show was a little bit okay, but. Rusev coming out at Russia. Rusev coming out to be on Mark Henry. I hope, yeah. But, um, yeah, it felt like all those tag team matches were a bit, you know, slightly overdone. But, I, I'd uh, agree with you. Thing, I, well, the other but, thing, too, um, is it's a holiday edition of Monday Night Raw tonight, and so you got to factor that they're probably not going to be putting in their best efforts on a holiday episode when they know that they're not going to get the audience they would traditionally get anyways. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. But um, have you all heard this? Mike, uh, did you all hear on Raw that Michael Sam would be coming here next week to Raw in Baltimore? Uh, we were just discussing that, actually. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. They've issued the invitation, but I don't think Michael Sam is going to show I, um, because I think Michael... Uh, I know... Can I, can I interrupt one second? I know... Uh, Go you remember... Okay, you remember back in the old days when uh, President Clinton was running for office and the WWF had, like, an impersonator of him? Yes. Well, uh, I think that may happen. I don't see it, and the reason I say that is because uh, Michael Sam's such a hot-button topic in regards to the gay rights thing, and that's something that the WWE has always tried to find themselves on the positive side of. So I don't imagine that they would want to go that way and aggravate the uh, 
the Gay and Lesbian Anti-Defamation Alliance. Alliance the next, to the next, the next topic I want to get on to is war. Is the uh, Bree Nikki storyline that has AJ and Paige? They're now involved in this whole mess saga. And the only thing that really bugged me tonight the most was Nikki talking about how Bree did this to her and Bree did that. Bree wrecked her car. Bree stole her boyfriend. And Bree and Nikki and Nikki doing the test for Bree and passing with flying collars. I mean, that she that Nikki, come on, she has. She's an actress. I mean, Nikki, come on. That's your sister. Why are you dragging her into this situation? Haven't you done enough? I mean, Nikki, I was, I was saying that on TV. I was like, haven't you done, done enough for, for Bree? I mean, after all, Bree, Bree is your sister, and, what, and, you conti- and yet you continue to do this to her. That's what I don't understand. And then Stephanie, Stephanie, with, with that, rewards Bree with a championship match. Uh, she awarded Nikki the championship match, actually. No, uh, sorry, my, sorry, Nikki the championship match. That's all right. Yeah. Um, I, uh, we're definitely on. We're actually on our way into the uh, the Bella segment here shortly. We haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah, but um, and I think next week's Raw is going to shape up to be a big event. I know we have Monday Night Football next week, and uh, Raw's got to step up. I mean, that's probably the reason that uh, they're actually. Can you hear me? Hello. I'm still can you here. Hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. I just talked to a local radio, and I told them that this was not 1998. Now that WCW is out, I mean, WWE and TNA, they had a little little battle for a little bit, but then TNA ran off and said, well, we're not going to take out the WWE. We're just going to do it on third. We're just going to do our own wrestling show on Thursdays. Well, the thing was, is the Monday night, the renewal of the Monday night wars, and I want to thank you for your call here, but unfortunately, we have to get moving forward in the show, so you're welcome to listen in to the rest of it, but we're going to have to continue moving here. Okay, but Uh, one more thing I want to, I want to say before I go, Cena versus Lesnar, Niner Champions, I don't think le- I don't think it's going to be a one-sided match. I think Cena's going to bring the fight to him. And the way I see it is, the past two weeks on TV, I've seen Cena dominate the Wyatt family, and I think he just proved to Triple H that he is going to face Brock Lesnar at Nine Champions, and that SummerSlam was just a setback. But Nine Champions. I still don't see Cena winning the belt, though. But at Nine of Champions, I see Lesnar and Cena putting on a solid match. And I think it will go all the way. And I think let them have their last fight in a hell in a cell. 
I want to thank you for calling in, John. Um, one of the things that I actually was going to touch on here as we got closer towards the tail end there is um, if the rumors are true about Lesnar actually working the uh, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, then I wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of double disqualification finish to their match at, at Night of Champions. But at the same time, you're going to run the risk of alienating all the people that just renewed their subscriptions for a non-finish of the big show there. Uh, he raised right. a couple of very inter- he raised a couple of very interesting points there, and I think given the way that Cena has been booked over the last couple of weeks, over the last couple of weeks, and God knows that I was super irritated by the way that Cena was booked last week on Raw with him basically single-handedly destroying the Wyatt family, but we found out during the course of the week that that actually came down from Vince himself. Wow, that yeah, it's all over four one one too that it actually came down from Vince himself, that Vince personally handled the, the booking of Cena's character last week on Raw in order to help reestablish him after taking such a dominating loss at the hands of Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. But what I was going to say was, I agree with the fact that I think we're going to get a much more competitive match, but I still don't see, I don't see Cena walking out with the title. And I think hopefully that this is going to be something more along the lines of a a break him down to build him back up thing without going the direct route that they did last week on Raw. I completely agree. Uh, their match, I they have to do the the match differently in Night Champions for sure. You can't have Brock come in and just decimate him again. Um, so I'm sure we'll get a little bit more back and forth going on here. But if they're going to get gun shy about this now, this is the time that they would do it. So if if WWE's going to freak out and back out on what they're trying to do with Brock, this this would be the time. But I don't think they will. Uh, I'm pretty sure Brock's going to end up walking out with the belt still, and we'll hopefully get the correct ending to this whole arcing story of Brock having the belt by putting somebody over, a la Roman Reigns or whoever else. At this point, the only two people that would make sense to beat Lesnar for the title are Roman Reigns or Daniel Bryan, if Reigns healthy enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we can... We continue on with the raw reaction here. Once again, I'm Harry Broadhurst, joined by Paul Bryan Leeser, sitting in for Tony Acero this week. And up next is Adam Rose versus Titus O'Neil. The best part of this entire match was JBL mentioning that he has one clothesline in hell left in him, and the bunny's going to get it. Oh, man. I thought the best part was Slater trying to do the dog bark because he obviously failed at that, and that was hilarious. And I just love Slater Gator to the ends of the earth. <laughs> they're just perfect. I love oddball tag teams, especially when they're booked sort of like, I'm not going to say at the front of the line, but, you know, just enough there so that they're entertaining and everything, and we still get what they're about. And that's really all I want out of these guys, you know. Do you believe the potential of us getting Titus O'Neil and Darren Young back as a team once Darren's cleared to return from his ACL injury? Because there's been talk going around that the primetime players will be reuniting given the fact that they haven't really done anything with him on their own. You know, I, I'm all in favor of that. As much as I love Slater Gator, I love the primetime player more or primetime players more, excuse me. I can talk. And um, you know, the tag division obviously needs help. Obviously, and I mean, breaking them up wasn't the smartest idea in the first place unless they, I thought they had something lined up for Titus, and that never happened, so. <laughs> Y'all wouldn't know entertainment if it slapped you in the face. <laughs> True story. I'm using my sound card for once. <laughs> Anyways. 
No, I agree with you here in the fact that, realistically speaking, if you were going to break up uh, the primetime players, you should have done it if you had definitive ideas in mind for both people and not just one of them. And knowing that you were going to help, for a little while at least, you were going to help put a dent in the tag team division, which had been starting to ascend. But then once the breakup of the primetime players happened, it started to go back on the decline as well because the primetime players were teams that were one of the teams that were constantly in line there in addition to like Rey Mysterio and a Sin Cara, in addition to Epico and Primo back before they became Los Monadores. <clears throat> so it's just a case of why break them up if you have nothing for them? And then the only thing that they ever do is they have that one-off singles match at, with an Elimination Chamber this year? I believe that is correct. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that Yeah. And then they haven't done anything with either of them basically since. Although now he, uh, Titus is starting to get his footing once again and in being involved with Slater Gator. But realistically speaking, this is a mid-card comedy act tag team. There's not going to be much in the way of progression for these guys probably. But we have seen it in the past where the odd the odd black guy, white guy pairing actually ends up working out before him to take you back all the way to Bulk Dust back in 2008. <clears throat> Absolutely. So it's not like it's not like we haven't seen these odd couple of tag teams work in the past. It's just that I think Titus and Darren have a natural chemistry about them that I'm not entirely sure that maybe Titus and Heath have at this point. I I, get, I, I completely agree that Darren and Titus definitely have better chemistry. Uh, Darren, obviously, I mean, he got hurt. So, I mean, there, there's that of why we haven't maybe gotten this sooner or anything like that. Um, but I... There is something there between Titus and Heath. I think it's just I, it may not be as much as what he had with Darren, but there is something there that might be worth pursuing at some point if they ever do decide to maybe they want to keep Slater Gator. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how much of a push they plan on giving Darren Young when he returns, and that actually takes me back to the conversation that we had with the caller about the whole Michael Sam situation and the fact that they're not going to want to offend any of the friends that they've made in, within the uh, – the Glad community. Absolutely. At least that would be my stance on it there. Uh, Rusev and Zack Ryder. This surprised me on multiple counts. One, Zack Ryder still has a job. Two, we saw Rusev run for the first time. Three, right. and most importantly here, Lana's you suck. Do you think that that might be the maybe a inside hint? that the rumored angle return is forthcoming? His contract expires now only in a this month. You know, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope so. <laughs> I'm almost certain that I've read on multiple sources that Angle's TNA contract expires in September, and with TNA and Spike TV looking to cut costs, you've got to think that it's not going to be renewed. I don't think Angle wants to resign with them either. He's made it very clear. And I, I, I can vividly remember now reading articles about him pitching a, a contract deal to the WWE about him sort of getting uh, a Shawn Michaels type of deal that uh, Shawn was running near the end of his run where he'd come in for a few months. And if he works out, then you keep him on. And if he doesn't, then you can just let him go. Honestly, it would be kind of like a, maybe, uh, maybe a variation of the Rob Van Dam deal that we've had recently too. Or, you now, know, that now that Van Dam's gone again, you need another part-time attraction to take the place of Van Dam, and I can't think of anybody better, especially if he's actually in the physical shape to go, than one Kurt Angle. Yes, and a Kurt and Angle were, who's motivated. 
work again, not like what we've been getting on TNA for the last year. Right, and there are so many matches in the WWE for Kurt Angle that people would love to see, too. I don't know about you, but Kurt Angle, Seth Rollins, Kurt Angle, Dean Ambrose, Kurt Angle, Daniel Bryan once Bryan is healthy again. That right there in and of itself would be the perfect selling point for a pay-per-view. Yeah, so that's the Kurt Angle, Daniel Bryan has dollar signs written all over it about 40 times over. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, your thoughts on uh, Rusev and Ryder, and then generally speaking, we'll do the Henry post-match as well as his conversation with the Big Show here as well. Uh, yeah, Rusev's at Ryder, exactly what it sounds like. Um, a little squashy, but that's fine. Uh, you know, Rusev definitely still needs to look strong here because that's what he does until he runs away. And that's okay, too, because Mark Henry is big and angry and not like swagger at all where he looks takeable. And I, Mark Henry cuts one heck of a promo here. I, 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 was, I was singing on his every word. I think he, I mean, it's as great as swagger and Coulter were defending America. I mean, Mark Henry has that sort of pedigree, too, with being uh, – former powerlifting uh, representation of the nation and all that good stuff. And I just, it, it, this is going to work out well. I'm really looking forward to see what him and Rusev can do. That's what I do! It is what he do. Uh, let's talk quickly about the backstage segment there. Are we officially writing out the great Kali and Vladimir Kozlov? Because I was not aware that there wasn't already an international wing in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> He's already beaten up one Russian, Rusev. Don't make him do it again. He will put you there. I mean, we know that there's an international wing. Whether he's forgotten is another thing, because there's so many people in the Hall of Pain, you lose count. <laughs> That's what it is. He's inducted so many people, he's just lost track over the years. Exactly. <laughs> I will say this much, and I've got to give Mark, Mark Henry a ton of credit here. I thought his career was done and over several years ago. He's completely reinvented himself within the last five years. Several times. I mean, his run in ECW, his run um, as World Heavyweight Champion, and now this. I mean, like, I, he just when you think he's done, you, you said it exactly. He just comes roaring back in and grabs your attention. All right, Akira, we have to talk about it. Let's go ahead and get this over with, preferably as quickly as possible. Stephanie, Bree, Nikki, AJ, Paige, congratulations. You've officially made the Divas champion and number one contender look like morons. First, you had AJ get... Okay, if it's emasculated from a, from a guy's perspective, would it be disseminated from a girl? I, I would think so. Seems like it's me. Right. You had AJ get disseminated by Stephanie when Stephanie... Not a regular worker, and they're never going to do Stephanie McMahon versus AJ Lee. So what was the point of having Stephanie get all up in AJ's business at the tail end of this segment? Two, you had Paige getting knocked on her ass by Bree pushing Nikki into her. Three, you have the feud that nobody cares about in the Divas division because the reactions for these, for these things have been terrible, generally speaking. I mean, granted, Nikki, Bree got a bit of a pop when she pushed Nikki into Paige, but... The reactions for the Bree and Nikki segments have been horrible over the last couple of weeks, whereas the reactions for the Paige and AJ segments have been some of the loudest on the shows lately. Is there any saving grace here? Or 
Am I wrong in thinking that the end game is eventually the WWE Divas title on a Bella? I really hope you're wrong. Uh, I, I I don't know what the WWE is possibly thinking there, but I'm I'm sure that's probably what they're thinking is putting it on Bella. Um, you know, there's I, I'm into AJ Page. I'm pretty sure most people who care about the Divas division or even halfway care about them are sort of into them. And th- there's nothing like they were already having they were floundering already. Let's just be honest and. Now you're going to pair them up with the feud nobody cares about. And you're asking a lot on two divas who were already doing well enough, but were struggling to keep, I think, a lot of the mainstream audience's attention. And now you're going to pair them up with this. And I'm assuming we're going to get a fatal four-way for the divas title at Night of Champions. And I really hope it goes to one of them, too, and not a Bella. But, you know, the way it looks tonight, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And that makes me really sad. Much as I hate to say it, if it, that fatal four-way does happen, I see Nikki walking out of Night of Champions with the belt. And I think that would be yeah. a terrible waste of what should be a proper blow-off to Paige and AJ. Not that they mm-hmm. need the Divas title to tell this story, but having those two feuding over the title gives the title a little bit more prestige, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we, we're still waiting to see that absolutely, you know, ball, forget the term, but balls-to-the-wall speech or it's a balls-to-the-wall match that we keep thinking AJ and Paige are going to have, too, and I was really thinking we might get a night of champions. It's going to be a case of whether or not they actually pulled the trigger on this four-way or not. Now, what I honestly think should happen is I think they should do Paige and, a- they should do Paige and AJ one last time here, and then regardless of who wins, you have... You have Nikki and or Bree, depending on whether Paige walks out or or AJ walks out with the title. You have Nikki or Bree confront them after the match. Let these two have their moment. Let these two have a good match at Night of Champions and give them the time that they haven't gotten at the last two pay-per-views if they fought each other. I completely agree with that. Uh, I was already thinking that Bree was going to come out of her feud with Stephanie as the next contender to the Divas Championship before we got uh, the, uh, the Nikki turn, and this whole mess happened. So... Um, I, I'm that aligns completely with what I was thinking before, so let's hope they do that. <laughs> All right, we move on here and we go to the Bray Wyatt promo to set up the cage match with Chris Jericho. Um, not really a lot to, uh, not really a lot to touch on here because it wasn't a very it wasn't a very long promo. Just Wyatt mentioning the fact that him and Jericho are locked in the cage like animals and. Jericho being a rat trying to outrun the serpent. Um, do you have any interest in the cage match at all? Do you think this will be the end, or do you think they stretch it out until Night of Champions? You know, I really hope this is the end, but like you said, I'm sure they're going to want Jericho to work all the way to Night of Champions, so we might get another match there. But I just, I would care so much more about this if I had even a remote kernel of interest less than this feud, and I don't. And that's terrible to say because I've been a Chris Jericho fan for many, many years, and I love Bray Wyatt, but there's just nothing happening here. No, I'm with you. Uh, I remember talking with Tony when this feud was just getting going, and I said, oh, these promos are going to be fun. And then the more we've talked about the feud over the last couple of months here on the reaction, we've both been like, this has been really disappointing. And it kills me to say that because – 
most people might know if they listen, they're long-time listeners to the reaction. Maybe newer listeners might not know. Chris Jericho is my all-time favorite wrestler. Has been for years. And I've been singing the praises of Bray Wyatt since before he was called up back when I was writing, back when I was writing TV reports for Greg DeMarco's Wrestling Smash. So it's just there's so much more that could have been out of this, and it just isn't. And then that disappoints me as a fan. Carrying on with the show here, let's go to Jimmy Uso and Goldust. Um, do you have any interest in the defined heel versus face tag title match between these two teams at Night of Champions? I do. I, I've I've been into Stardust and Goldust since they started doing the weird backstage segments uh, about a month ago, and them sort of finally taking that turn towards being uh, evil Double Dust. It just it works very well for me, and I'm still into the Usos as tag champions. Um, while they may not be the most entertaining thing on the card, they are the most dependable thing on the card, I think, and that's, you know, you're going to get something good out of them almost every week, and to keep you interested in what it has is a floundering tag team division that maybe has three solid teams at this moment as we speak. <laughs> well, and that was one of the things that Tony and I discussed last week, is that the, uh, the, the turn came kind of from out of nowhere, but it was one of those rare moments where the WWE is able to surprise us and that we don't see something like this coming. We all were figuring that it was going to lead to eventually Cody turning back heel again, but instead they actually pulled the trigger and turned both of them there. You know, and I think I mentioned to Tony last week on the reaction here, is this is the first time Goldust has been a heel since he's been back with the company. Right. And that goes back to even his previous run. I think this is the first time he's been a heel since he was like an ECW, actually. Ignoring all of the time as Black Rain and TNA. Anyways. Yeah, I would know that doesn't exist. <laughs> yes, exactly. If it didn't happen in the Fed, it didn't happen. Exactly. All right, we've already, <laughs> we've already touched on the main event here, but we'll get to this real quick again. Um, as far as the match itself goes, were you surprised that they got as much time as they did? Uh, sort of. You know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that they're trying to focus on here. Um, there's a lot of work, or there's a lot of feuds sort of percolating in here with Reigns and Rollins, and you still have Reigns sort of feuding with Orton and seeing his whole interaction with the authority in light of not having Brock Lesnar around to directly feud with, and, you know, Kane just being there, and that's sad in its own right. But And, um, and Jericho, who sort of worked his way into this again in, what I'm assuming might carry over whenever he comes back again into a title match, hopefully, maybe. So, I mean, this is all very interesting stuff that I think they wanted to sort of see through. And as it's already been sort of a met raw, um, you might as well try to give the star power as much chance as it can to shine at the end of the show. Yeah, I'm completely with you here. The, uh, the other thing that stands out to me as well from this, from this segment to me was they actually played on Cena's frustrations a little bit during the course of the match, and that's something that we haven't really seen them do, and him being so agitated that he didn't get the tag for so long into the match. Uh, your thoughts on if you think that maybe there was something to Paul Heyman's overcompensation theory there, especially given the way we saw Cena react during the match itself? I completely agree with that uh, line of thinking, because when you have Cena lose like he like. I don't know about you, Harry. I've never seen a world title match be that big of a squash before, like ever in my life as a wrestling fan. And when you have, when you're the guy on the end of that beating in what is the largest match on the second biggest pay per view of the year for your company, obviously you're going to be a little miffed, <laughs> and you're going to want to come back and try to show that you're not 
this guy who just got steamrolled. Uh, so I mean, this is it's working for me. I just, I you, I have my, we all have our own problems with Cena, and for me, it's it's him sort of still being at the top of the car, but right now it's necessary. So I, this it's it's working for me right now. Do you think him losing again to Lesnar, which we or which we think will happen? I mean, I'm with you here. I think Lesnar walks out in Night of Champions, unless they're going to do the Hell in the Cell match, in which case I think the Night of Champions match ends in a double disqualification. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is going to be Cena's shunt back down to the mid-card level like he was with his match with Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania? Do you think this sends Cena into the rumored program with Rusev, into a extended program maybe with a guy like Seth Rollins? Uh, you know, I, I on the on the Wrestling of the Max podcast, I've talked extremely uh, positively about John Cena sort of being the gatekeeper to the top of the card. And it was a position that I think worked for him, because I was into his feud with Wyatt, um, more so because of Wyatt. But Cena was relatively interesting during the opening shots of that until it got a little redundant. But him and Rusev, I just, I'm nervous there because I, I'm a fan of Rusev and... I know how that's going to end. Him and Rollins, I think, is perfect. Um, I think you can use – it's a great vehicle to get Rollins sort of looking like a main eventer that, you're, that you want him to be right now instead of just guy with briefcase. Yeah, I think you're going to need to establish Rollins' credibility before he even has any kind of attempt to cash in that briefcase because I don't think he necessarily has the – the amount of credibility that he would need to be a viable WWE World Heavyweight Champion at this point in his career. But I think a feud with Cena, an extended feud with Cena, could do wonders to helping establish the credibility of one Seth Rollins. Uh, speaking of Seth, uh, gotta get, gotta say, really nice pop for the hometown boy tonight. Yeah, the crowd was way into him, way, way into him, which is, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, but it is because I'm used to him being persona non grata since the Shield breakup. <laughs> I will say this much, too. I'm kind of surprised that uh, Rollins escaped the hometown jinx that is the WWE when a guy in his hometown always loses. They didn't have they didn't have Rollins eat the pin tonight, which kind of surprised me. He did eat an a attitude adjustment on the table, though. <laughs> Granted, but hey, at least he wasn't pinned like his name was Corporate King. Right. <laughs> and realistically speaking... I'm relying on a lot of phrases tonight. I blame the fact that my mind's in a stupor from this cold. Anyways. (laughs) That had to have been the only reason that King got put into this match here, was he was put in there as the designated guy to take the fall, because Rollins had the money in the bank briefcase that you had to protect, and Orton has the match with Reigns next Monday night on Raw that they want everybody to watch. Um, That leads me to two questions here. One, your interest level in next Monday night's Raw. Is it something that you're going to want to watch live? Is it going to be something that you DVR and watch after the football games? Uh, I Even when it's up against Monday Night Football, I still always watch Raw live. Uh, whether I'm into it or not, it doesn't really matter. It's sort of become tradition for me at this point, being a, a watcher of Raw since its inception in 93 when I was a whole five years old. Um, but, my, you know, my overall uh, three, I would say, on a scale of five, three, uh, Reigns and Orton's was good at uh, SummerSlam, and I think they work well together. And as much as I don't care about the steel cage match, it is an attraction in and of itself. 
Um, so, and then, you know, you never know what you're going to get every week on Raw, too, so that always adds. And I am curious as to what will happen if Michael Sam does show up. I don't think it happens, but if he does show up, I will be curious to see what happens and how he's treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you here. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching Monday Night Raw. Luckily, I have the benefit of a two TV set up here in my apartment, so I can watch Raw on, on the one in front of the bed here, and then I can put the one across from the bed over on the other side of the apartment here. I can put the Monday Night Football game on mute and kind of watch it during the commercial breaks and stuff. So. But I will be focusing on Raw. Obviously, I have to do the whole show situation, but you know, the fact too. <laughs> I don't think Jay would appreciate me not focusing on the show that I'm supposed to be talking about. Or Much the same for me over on W2M. <laughs> yeah, Sean and Gary would not be happy. Yeah. <laughs> So, Paul, are you ready to get to Raw? Uh, what's this Raw you spoke of? I watched Monday Night Football. Say that again, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, I don't think Sean and Gary would be happy either. So, Paul, what was your thoughts on Raw tonight? Uh, what is this Raw you speak of? I watched Monday Night Football. Right? Big game, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and start our wrap-up here. And this is the one part of the show that I will keep the same to the format of the Raw reaction here, and that is the final reaction here. All right, so I'm going to ask you your overall grade for the show, your most favorite part of the show, your least favorite part of the show, and then the reason you gave it the grade that you did. You ready? Let's do it. All right, it's time for the final reaction. Your overall grade for the show tonight. Uh, five. Letter. On a scale of ten. Oh, but letter, uh, D... I guess that would be what a five is, a D. Depending. I mean, most five. Average would be a C. But D plus. Let's go D plus. <laughs> All right. That's fair enough. Um, your favorite moment for tonight's show? Absolutely has to be Ziggler, uh, Ziggler, Sheamus, Cesaro, Miz. That bell to bell and the finish all together. Great, te- great television. Your least favorite part of tonight's show. Let me guess. It involved a certain amount of divas that wasn't six, but instead was five. <laughs> you nailed it. Anything to do with growing up Bella? Uh, Lord knows I didn't want to grow up Bella tonight. I don't know about you, Harry, but that was a sad, <laughs> sad day. <laughs> I, I wish they had stayed in school. Yes. <laughs> uh, the reason you gave the show the, the D+. Plus. I mean, really, outside of the aforementioned favorite tag team match um, and whatever tiny involvement we got um, from the main event scene and the tag titles, there's not really a lot to sing the praises of on this show. Um, and that's this is a rough three hours to get through. I'm, that's that's rare for me to say because normally I find something to like on a Raw for at least two of it. All right, now it's my turn. My grade for tonight's show was a C-, which is the same grade I gave last week's show, but I actually preferred this week's to last week's. All right. My most favorite part of tonight's show, yeah. Damien Mizdow once again steals the show to me. Yes. (laughs) I've been crying out for months for Sandow to get something else to do here, and while this isn't ideal for me for Sandow, 
It's getting him on TV on a regular basis. It's getting him exposure on a regular basis. And history has proven that people aligned with Miz usually end up feuding with Miz, and that will get Sandow more TV time down the road as well. Also, I want to give a very special shout-out. The woman doing Miz's makeup tonight. That was Sarah Bridges. She's known professionally as Crazy Mary Dobson. I've had the opportunity to work a couple shows with her before, so I just wanted to very quickly here congratulate Mary, Sarah, however she wants me to refer to her as, on being a focused part of, on being a featured part of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, so she got like 10 minutes of airtime tonight. That's, that's impressive. Exactly. Not not something that usually happens for extras, huh? Right. <laughs> not to mention she was focused on during her airtime, too. She wasn't like background as like being a rosebud would be. Right, exactly. So she actually got to be a prominent part of her guest appearance here on the Night Raw. So i got to say congratulations to Sari. Sari? Sari. Sarah slash Mary. I combined the two of them. New pseudonym for it. It's been one of those nights, Paul. Yeah. (laughs) My least favorite part of tonight's Raw, it's hard not to pick that Bella segment, isn't it? I don't know where else you would go. Everything least watchable outside of that? Yeah, nothing nothing else was outright offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but as you said, between between the growing up Bella segments and then the actual let's go ahead and screw Paige and AJ out of the focus with their Divas title segment as well. It just mm-hmm. completely killed any and all any and all kind of caring I had about the Bella segment to begin with there. Because something that Tony and I had discussed before here in the reaction was we didn't mind Nikki and Brie happening as long as they kept it away from Paige and AJ. Right. I'm actually kind of glad Tony's not doing the show tonight because I have a feeling that this would have been a very long hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure when he returns next Monday night, it will be a very long hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) You might be in for a long long string of hour and a half in your future. Yeah, I, I see him bitching about this for multiple weeks to come. Yes. Especially, if diva, especially if that Divas title ends up near any Bella anytime soon. Um, as to why I gave it to C-, it's not that anything was offensive, it's just that some of it was just mind-numbingly boring tonight. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were in cruise control due to this being a holiday episode here in the States. So they knew the rating wasn't going to be anything special. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I actually saw this on 411, and I don't know if you caught it or not, that the rating for last week's Monday Night Raw was the lowest of 2014. I believe I did see that. And I have a funny feeling that that's only going to last for one week because they're kind of figuring that tonight's Raw is going to be even lower after drawing the super low number last week. You know, and they, you would figure they would want to come at you a little bit stronger with next week being the start of the football season and everything, and they want to keep you watching and away from whatever might be occurring over on Monday Night Football. Not to mention, too, is the fact that now they're going to have SmackDown going up against football as well. Mm-hmm. Starting in October, these people are screwed. 
Yeah. Not to mention that CBS is also moving Big Bang Theory to Monday, which is a huge ratings juggernaut as well. And uh, it could be, it could be in for some rough seasons. Jeez, uh, and hopefully they're going to try to do something to combat the uh, the onslaught that's forthcoming from the uh, other studios as well. Because you had a factor in between Monday Night Football on Mondays. You said the Big Bang Theory is moving to Mondays again. Right. The highest-rated news show of last season is on Mondays. That would be James Spader's Blacklist, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Just there's so much good competition on the two nights that they're going to be running shows that they're going to be in trouble for ratings, and in the process they're going to be in trouble for advertisers as well because with the ratings going down, that means that they're probably not going to get as much in the way of advertising revenue as they normally would as well. Right. So I sense yeah, I, I, ahead for the company. I completely agree. I also don't know exactly how ad revenue works. May I like I don't know if that's a set deal with their new T V deal and everything that they might work out okay for them at the end of the day, but who knows? You have to think though that USA is not gonna be happy if they're drawing numbers in like the two point three, two point four range rather than the the 2.7, 2.8, all the way up to the 3.0s that they traditionally average, especially during the summer months. I, I would imagine so, uh, but hopefully USA knows they're up against a lot of television that people want to watch. So, <laughs> Here's hoping going forward. Um, anything else to touch on while we're still on air? Uh, thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate you letting me do this with you. Uh, anytime, Paul, if you guys get a chance, you, Sean, or Gary are all welcome to call in anytime. As a matter of fact, Gary actually called in last week. Oh. Gary called in last week in order to issue the ice bucket challenge to to Tony, and that's when Tony wrote that poem. <laughs> Which, oh, yeah, by the, way, right. every, by the way, everybody, if you haven't had a chance to see that yet, I would highly recommend it. Check out Tony Acero's Facebook. Uh, Gary Jovan of Wrestling to the Max, the same podcast that Paul comes from, challenged Tony to the Ice Bucket Challenge. And in lieu of actually doing the challenge, Tony actually wrote a very heartfelt poem about the challenge and the things that people with ALS, Gary's disease, however you want to refer to it as, the challenges that they face. It was very touching. I shared it on my wall as well. So if you guys get a chance, Tony Acero, A-C-E-R-O, make sure you guys go ahead and give that a check. Uh, in addition to things that you should be checking out, I highly recommend that you check out the Wrestling to the Max podcast, which is Sean Garmer, Paul Brian Lazier, and Leezer. I did it again. And you're always going to do that at least once tonight. <laughs> the important part is the effort. <laughs> yes. And Gary Jovan. Tomorrow night, but then they're moving back to the regular Monday slot starting next week. And traditionally, they go on right after we do. So you can listen to us here on the Raw Reaction. Then you can go ahead and tune in and listen to them over on Wrestling to the Max as well. He's Paul Brian Leeser. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the Raw Reaction for September 1st, 2014. Hopefully, I'm feeling a little bit better next week because i got a funny feeling that I'm going to have a lot of Tony Gacero to deal with after tonight's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you might be correct. Yes, you and me both. For Paul and John, thanks for calling in. And again, everybody, if you want to, uh, 760-888-5749, if you guys want to call into the show, feel free to do so going forward. 
want to thank everybody for listening here. Hopefully, as I said, I'm back to 100% for next week, and we'll see how everything goes. We want to thank you again for listening. This has been The Raw Reaction on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio, brought to you by ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Good night, everybody.